All right, so I hope everyone's doing well. As Siler mentioned today, we are starting a new series, so we're taking a break. We're done. All right, so we got one more, one more sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, but for a few weeks now, we are going to be talking about different Old Testament characters, and we spent a lot of time in the New Testament, but guys, there's a lot of great stories, there's a lot of great characters in the Old Testament, and I'm really excited for us to kind of cover this, because it's, it's easier for us just to focus on the New Testament, but there's so much good in the Old Today we're going to be talking about a prophet named Elisha. Elisha. Have you guys heard of Elisha before? Okay. Like, I see some hands. You were supposed to raise your hands. But, okay, so so we got a mixed amount of people have heard of the prophet Elisha. So my goal today is that by the end of this talk, that you guys will have a good idea of, of who this prophet is. And then also understand that he teaches us a lot about what it means to follow God. He shows us, he, he kind of gives us a lot of ways of how we can follow God today. So he really relates to us, even though he was around a couple thousand years ago. And so in order for me to achieve this goal, I'm going to give you four random facts about the prophet Elisha. Then I'm going to share three stories about Elisha's life. And from those stories, we're going to learn five different ways Elijah shows us to follow God. Okay, so starting with the four random facts, right? Elisha performed the most amount of Old Testament miracles. So he was the dude that performed the most amount of, amount of miracles. He was the miracle leader in the stat, stat department, right? He performed like, some people say he performed over 30. Other people say he performed like over 15. I'm not exactly sure how much he performed, but he has the most miracles. And now, granted, it was God performing these miracles, all right? So, hey, <laughs> so he performed the most amount of miracles. I can, I can see you talking, so like it's really distracting for me. <laughs> so he performed the most amount of miracles. Second, Elisha was around the same time as Elijah. Now, how many of you guys have heard of the prophet Elijah? Okay, the, probably more. Elijah's a little bit more popular. We're going to talk more about him. For the rest of the night, though, I'm going to refer to Elijah as Eli, because Elisha and Elijah, they sound very similar. It's very confusing. So Eli, that's, that's Elijah. When I bring up Eli, we're talking about Elijah, okay? Elijah came, or Eli came before Elisha, okay? Next random fact. One time, Elisha made an axe float. An axe fell into the water. It was made of iron, and the axe actually, he, after he was encountered it, he made it float. Really random miracle, but he made it happen. Not sure why he did it, but that is a random fact. And then finally, the fourth one is Elisha is only mentioned one time in the New Testament. And so as, as you guys know, the New Testament comes after the Old Testament, and all of those guys, like Jesus, Peter, Paul, they like to bring up characters from the Old Testament. They reference the Old Testament all the time. And so guys like Abraham and David and Adam, all these guys, like they pop up in the New Testament, and people are bringing them up constantly. Elisha is only mentioned one time, and it's by Jesus, and it's in passing. Okay, so I think it's easy for us to kind of maybe miss this character. He's only around for like, like maybe like 10 or 12 chapters from 1 Kings and 2 Kings. So it's, it's pretty quick. Like if you skip over that book, you probably won't know who this guy is. And so that's why I want to talk about him, because I, I, I want us to know who he is. 
So those are our four facts. Hopefully you guys have a general idea of who this man is. And now some of these stories are kind of going to explain and flesh out these facts even more. And so our first story is coming from 1 Kings. Okay, so there's two books called Kings, 1 and 2 Kings. They're really just ultimately one book, but they're split up into two. And, And 1 Kings chronicles all of Eli's works. Right, like the ministry, the life, the, the events of Eli are mainly covered in, in the first Kings book. Okay? But we meet Elisha at the end of this book. And in order for us, before I can read the story and kind of explain what's going on, you guys need to know what's going on in Eli's life. Because as I mentioned, Eli and Elisha, they cross paths. Okay? And so Eli, for those of you who don't know, Elijah, he was a very popular prophet in the nation of Israel. At this point, we have kings in Israel, and oftentimes, like, people like to divide up kings by if they were bad or if they were good, okay? And so, at this point, Israel was under the rule of a bad king, meaning that they didn't follow the law, they didn't follow God, and they were actually, like, worshiping other gods. And so, this king was in power, and he was actually married to this evil queen named Jezebel. Jezebel was, she kind of ushered in this, this time of, of a new god, right? And so, Eli clashed with Jezebel, like, hard. And, like she, and he kind of had like a lot of these showdowns with these prophets of this other God. Really cool stories. I actually thought about sharing the stories of Eli with you tonight. But Eli gets to a point where this, this constant bickering and fighting with these other prophets kind of hits a climax. And he's kind of at a point where like he's thinking about possibly retiring. And like we, we kind of get revealed that like Eli's time is coming to an end. And so that brings us to our first story today, where Eli kind of crosses paths with Elijah, and we meet Elisha for the first time. So it happens in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm just going to read two verses. This is our first story. So it says this, verse 19. So Elijah, Elijah, Eli, went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Okay, so we get this Eli guy. At this point, Eli's a well-known person. He's, a, he's the prophet in Israel at the time, and he's performed a lot of really, really cool miracles, a lot of really crazy stories. He, he comes across Elisha, and Elisha probably is a wealthy guy. He's got oxen. He's got livestock, so that was a form of wealth back in that day. He has land that he's plowing, another form of wealth in that day. He's doing those things, and he comes across Eli, and Eli takes his cloak and throws it over him. And so Elisha takes this as an opportunity to follow this Eli. He knows that Eli is a man of God. He knows that he's a prophet of God, and so he decides, hey, Give me a minute, I'm going to run back to my parents, say goodbye to them, kiss them, maybe pack up a couple things, and I'm going to be following you for the rest of my life. And that's the first story. It's the first time we meet Elisha. This story actually has a lot of like reminders of what the Gospels look like. Like thinking back to when Jesus was calling his disciples, right? Like we look at Peter. Peter was fishing when he encounters Jesus, and, and Jesus says, hey, come follow me. And Peter throws away his fishing gear and like jumps out of his boat and leaves everything behind and follows Jesus. Matthew does the same thing with his tax booth, right? And, and Elisha is doing the same thing here in this story. And that brings us to our, our first point, the first thing that we can learn about Elisha. Elisha was willing to drop everything and follow God. And we can learn to do the same 
today, even though Elisha lived thousands of years ago, we can do the same thing. Now, I'm not telling you if you truly believe in Jesus, you are going to throw out your phone, delete social media, like give up everything, right? Like actually don't do that. Don't leave your parents behind. They, they don't want you to leave you. Like, like we need to have that same behavior though. This idea that nothing else is more important than following God. We would abandon all else before we would abandon God. And that's what Elijah is teaching us in this story. The second one is this. After this point, Elisha is glued at the hip to Eli. Eli's this man of God. Eli has all of these stories and, and he's performed all of these miracles. And from here on out, Elisha is always with Eli, with everything that he does. And so the second point that I want us to get today is that it's important for us, like Elisha, to follow others who are following after God. Elisha did this by following after Eli. It's important for us to look at people probably that are, that are older than us and see them following God and follow them doing that. Now, this is a very personal one for me because as I grew up, like, there were, God gave me so many different people in my life who were older than me, who were, who were following after God, and I had the opportunity to follow them. Like, my dad was a pastor. When I was entering high school, one of my youth pastors moved in with my family, and I got to, like, he lived, like, in my home, and I got to, like, hang out with him all the time, and he showed me a lot. But the, the relationship that I really want to point out is my older brother, Kyle. Now, my sister, Rachel's here. She's younger than me. She's five years younger. I have a brother named Kyle who's two and a half years older than me, and he was always, like, one step ahead of me in life. Like, a good example, I just got married in July. Uh, last December, he had his first kid, right? Like, as I entered middle school, he was entering high school. He was always just a little bit ahead of me in life, and he, like, messed up a lot. Like, he, he didn't do well in school. He, he wouldn't turn in his homework. He got into trouble a couple of times. And every single time that happened, like, because I was close with him and I, I lived under the same roof as him, like, I, I saw, like, oh, like, if I don't turn in my homework, I'm going to get grounded. I don't want to do that, right? Like, like oh, like, like I, sh- I shouldn't do that. But the thing that I'm really blessed about is Kyle, at a young age, was committed to following Christ. At a young age, Kyle was committed to serving at our church, he was a vibrant member of his youth group. In the summers, he would leave our house and go to a camp and serve God all summer. And then I'd get, I'd get a chance to hear about all the things that God was teaching him that, that those, those summers. He, he taught me so much. And I was able to hear about this and, and learn all of these different lessons simply because I was following Kyle. And if it wasn't for Kyle's heart for God, I wouldn't have learned a lot of valuable lessons. So the two stories that we can, we can get from this first story is that Elisha, he, he, he taught us that we need to be willing to leave everything behind to follow after God. And then also, it's important for us to follow others who are following God. Another, another really cool thing is Paul encourages the same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he, he tells the church of Corinth, hey, follow me as I'm following Christ. This is a principle that's, that's throughout the Old and New Testament. And so moving forward, we, we're, we're returning the pages now to our second story, and we're, we're moving on to 2 Kings. And as I've mentioned, if you want to hear about the works of Eli or Elijah, look through 1 Kings, and especially towards the end, and you'll see his works. But then as you go to 2 Kings, Elisha's always right there with Eli. And we're, we're to the point now where Eli is aware that like, his, his ministry is coming to an end. 
And so before we get to this story, God is telling Eli to go to these different places. So he goes, he shows up to this place called Bethel, and, and Eli's like, hey, Elisha, like, you're following me, but God's going to show me something. I'm going to go somewhere. You need to stay. And, and Elisha's like, no, I'm not, I'm not moving. I'm staying with you. I'm following you till the, till the end. And so this happens three different times until God brings Eli to the Jordan River. And then something crazy happens. So this is story number two. And this happens in 2 Kings chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 8 through 14. The words will be on the, on the screen behind me. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Right, so that's story number two. We kind of talked through a lot. I'm going I'm to kind of walk us through it now. Okay, so... Eli gets to this river, the Jordan River. And if you guys were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the Israelites miraculously crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. The same thing happens here. Eli is called to cross the river. He takes off, he takes off his cloak, he wraps it around his arm, and he smacks the water, and it parts, and they cross on dry ground. And so then as this is happening, Eli, knowing that he's about, something crazy is about to happen, he looks to Elisha, he knows that he's probably not going to be with him anymore. And he goes, hey, what's one thing that you want me to do for you? And so here Elijah's like, all right, whatever spirit you have, give me double of that. And so at this point, he's not like some like angsty like, apprentice who's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double you. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just totally show you up and be that much better than you. Actually, this is actually a point where it's important to know the culture. Because when a father would pass away in Jewish culture, they would have inheritance for their, for their sons. And the eldest son would get a double portion of the, father's, of the father's inheritance. So all the siblings would receive a portion, and then the eldest son would receive double that. And the idea was the eldest son was responsible for carrying on like, how, the, how the patriarch, how the father lived. And so what Elisha is saying here is, that same spirit that you had, like I saw that, and I, and I, and I, I want to serve God in that same way. I want, I want that too. And so Elisha here is saying, I believe in what you've been doing, and I want to carry that out. And so sure enough, Eli's looking at him, and he's like, hey, like, what you're asking of me, like, I can't really do that, because this, everything that I've done has, has come through God. Right? Like, all these miracles I've performed, the things that I've been saying, like, it's not me, it's, it's God. So like, what you're asking is really hard. But if, if you're able to see what's about to go down, then like your permission, like, like your, your, your petition, what you're asking for, it's going to be granted. And so sure enough, right after that, they're kind of walking. They get separated by chariots of fire, and Elijah, Eli, gets taken up into heaven. 
And so this is the last time we see Eli. And a big reason why Eli is so popular is because later on people are, like, he never dies, right? He, ne- he never, his, his life never ends. God just kind of takes him up into heaven. And so then the Jews are kind of waiting for Eli to return. And so that's why he's a really kind of prominent figure, especially in the beginnings of the New Testament, because they've been waiting for this Eli figure to, to pop back up. But as soon as he leaves, everything leaves except for his cloak, that same cloak that he throws on Elisha the first time he meets him, right? And so Elijah, Elisha sees this. He says, Father, Father, right? Kind of reminding us of this idea of, of, of inheritance, right? Like he is now this eldest son responsible for carrying out the ministry of Eli. And so he does exactly what Eli does. The last miracle of Eli is the first miracle of Elisha. He takes that cloak, he wraps it around his, hand, his arm, he smacks the water, and the waters part yet again. And he walks across it on dry ground. Kind of co- confirming that that double portion is now upon him. He has received that same spirit that, that, that Eli had. Okay, so we can learn two more things from this story. The first one is Elijah teaches us that we can bring bold requests to God. Eli was, was, a, was a crazy dude. He, he performed a lot of miracles. Like, I've, I've mentioned this a lot. He, he is a figure and that, that people talk about for generations for, for a big reason. And Elijah had the boldness to ask for that same spirit. And Jesus encourages us to do that same thing. A few, a few months ago, we talked about what it, what, what it means to pray to God, right? And Jesus says, like, a big reason why you don't receive is because you simply don't ask. Right? Like, we are called to bring to God bold requests. Now, I'm not saying that like, he's going to grant all of those, right? Like, there, there's, there's some rules behind that, per se. But it's important for us to have the faith in God to come to him with bold requests like Elisha has. And secondly, Elisha believes in the power of God. He's, he's witnessed it firsthand at the end of, Eli, of Eli's ministry. He's seen it. And the moment that he gets the opportunity to, to do the same things, he does that because he has faith. He has faith knowing that that same God that worked through Eli is now going to work through him. And so for us today, that's, like, we have that same opportunity. Because Elisha was just some dude, right? Like he performs the most amount of miracles, but he was just a human. He, he, he had flesh just like us. And, and he was serving the same God that we talk about at Chig, right? the same God that's in the New Testament as well. That Elisha has the faith to understand the power of who God is. And that's essential as we are, as we are trying to follow God. It's essential to understand that. And so this kind of starts the ministry of Elisha. And as I've mentioned, he performs a lot of miracles. He does a lot of wild things. He makes an axe head float. Pretty crazy, right? Like he, he heals people. He feeds people. He resurrects people. Another thing that he does, and it's important to know this, he's a prophet of the Lord. And so oftentimes in the Old Testament, prophets would receive these words from God. Or, or sometimes they'd come in visions as well. And it, it would kind of lay out what's going to happen in the future. And this oftentimes would get these prophets into trouble. It actually kind of reminds me of the movie Encanto. Have you guys seen Encanto? It came out a couple, couple months ago. Um, no, you haven't? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it for you. So it, Encanto is a Disney movie. And here's the thing. When I, I, won't, I won't spoil it. Well, actually, I'm going to spoil it. I'm sorry. A little bit. It's kind of obvious, though. So we don't talk about Bruno. We're, 
we're going to talk about Bruno in a moment, but I got to set the stage here. So, Encanto is about this family in Colombia who gets blessed with this miracle, right? And each member of the family, when they become of age, they receive these powers. Okay, so like one kid, when he becomes of age, he can talk to animals and like control them. Another guy like can shape shift and look and sound like other people. And then we get to this uncle named Bruno, who's kind of an outcast, right? He's kind of kicked out of the family. And we find out that his power, like through a goofy song called We Don't Talk About Bruno, I'm sure you guys have at least heard of it. We find out that he has the power to predict the future, right? And it's a really funny song where, like, these people are receiving this, these bad, news, like, bad news from Bruno. Like, one guy's like, uh, he said I was going to be fat. And then sure enough, like, he, like, he like, reveals that he's fat. And it's like, it's, it's all Bruno's fault, right? And, like, like my goldfish, was, he told me my goldfish was going to die. It was going to rain on my wedding day. And so he becomes this outcast because he's, he's kind of a messenger of, of this bad news, the same thing would happen for Old Testament prophets a lot of the time. Sometimes God would give words to these prophets about like, like coming judgment. Like, hey, a lot of bad things is going to happen to this community if they don't repent, right? Or, or hey, these people are doing something wrong, and if they don't stop doing this wrong thing, something bad's going to happen to them. And, and, and the prophets would be responsible for sharing that news. And so oftentimes they'd be like these people on the outs, and Bruno is, is like that character. He's, he's kind of on the outs with his family. Which, which these, these prophecies get Elisha into, into trouble as well. Not with Israel, though, because God's been giving him words. He's been giving him visions about where their enemies are going to attack. So at this point, the Syrians are kind of knocking at the gates of Israel. And they've actually kind of taken land from, from the Israelites. And they're slowly trying to take more, and they're trying to kill the king of Israel. And Elisha keeps on getting these revelations from God, and he's kind of telling the king, like, hey, the Syrians are going to attack tomorrow at this time, and they're going to have this, this much enemies, right? And, and God would kind of protect the king and the nation of Israel to the point to where the Syrian king was getting really upset. And he's like, all right, what's going on here? And so some spies kind of explain, like, they got this guy named Elisha who, who's serving their God, and he's kind of revealing when you're going to attack and where. And so this king is like, all right, we're going to kill this guy. So I, I'm going to summon this army, and we're, we're going to find out where he is, and we're going to surround this guy. And so that kind of sets the stage for our final story. Right? So, so Elisha's prophecies have got him into trouble. And so, so now we're, we're, we meet this servant that kind of figures out what's going on. And so in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, I'm going to read it. It says this. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now before we get to the final verse, I kind of want to explain what's happening here. Elisha to this point, is a, like he is a full-on servant of the Lord. He has performed many miracles. He has delivered these words to God, right? He has been a faithful servant of God. Ever since that, that time we see him at the end of 1 Kings, he's faithfully serving him. But trouble still comes around to him. And that is something that does not waver with all of these Old Testament characters that we were going to talk about. And, and the New Testament characters as well. Look at Jesus' life. He lived a perfect life, right? He loved everybody. But he ends with a lot of trouble, right? His story ends with him getting crucified, right? Like, he gets into a lot of trouble, 
And, and there's a lot of other godly figures in, in, the, in the Old and New Testament that are constantly running into trouble. And, and this isn't a fact that the writers of the New Testament hide from. Peter is always talking about persecution, right? Like, when we choose to follow God, it doesn't mean that our life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we are never going to struggle with anything. Now, I'm also not saying that if you choose to follow God, you're going to have these armies that are going to surround you, so, so you better, like, get ready and prepare. Like, that's not what I'm telling you. For, for Elisha, his problems came in the form of armies. For us, problems can come in all shapes and sizes, right? Like, it can come in death or sickness or, or broken relationships, but my prayer for us, and my final point, is, what, is how Elisha responds to all of this. This servant is seeing these problems, and he's terrified. And he's kind of looking at Elisha like, dude, the Syrians, they're kind of strong. They've kind of taken land from us, and now they're about to attack you. They're coming for you. What are you going to do? And Elisha's like, chill about it. And so he says this in verse 17. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, the Lord had provided protection to Elisha. Protection for some reason that wasn't visible to the eye. The servant wasn't able to see this. But Elisha could. And a big reason why the servant wasn't able to was because he was caught up in, the, in these problems that were right in front of his face. And like, yeah, like that's going to happen in your life too. There are going to be problems that are right in front of your face. But just like what the Sermon on the Mount shows us, and just like what Elisha's doing here, we are called to keep our eyes focused on God. Like what, like what Elisha's doing. And his prayer for the servant is that simply his eyes could see God working and moving. And then sure enough, it's revealed to him that he can see an army of chariots. Right? Probably these angels protecting Elisha. So my prayer for us, and my final point, is, is Elisha followed God because whoa, sorry. Elisha followed God because he kept his eyes focused on him. So my prayer is for all of us is the same as Elisha's, that, that God would simply open our eyes and that we would remember in the face of struggles and anxiety that are legitimate, that we have a God who's looking out for us, that's protecting us that has a path laid out for us. So I pray that we have eyes to see and follow that. Let me close this in prayer.